0: Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Uh, Sweet dreams, all about fear, right? Which is a really relevant topic right now. I don't know if you're on Facebook. Anybody on Facebook? Anybody on Twitter? Instagram? Nobody? There's a lot of fear. People are freaking out, man. They're losing their their ever-loving minds because they think that the world's coming to an end okay? The, the, seriously, like like on my Facebook feed, it looks like fear has just exploded, and people are scared about all kinds of different things. Some of it's rational, and some of it's irrational, okay? Let me just kind of be honest with you. Some of it makes absolutely no sense, and yet fear seems to be kind of the dominant voice of the day, Which, which as I thought about that this week, I thought, well, isn't that isn't that maybe not even ironic, and I don't dare use this word, uh, for those of you who are like church people and you know what I'm talking about, I don't use this word lightly, but was this series like prophetic? Because i, I got to be honest with you, I feel like I've preached the same sermon for six weeks in a row, because the sermon has gone like this, it's not about fearing less, it's about trusting God more. For five weeks, and today's the sixth week, and I'm going to say the same thing again today, I have said the same thing over and over and over. Not about fearing less. It's just about growing your trust in God. Because we don't have a fear problem, we have a trust problem. And what I want to do is I want to grab some people, my friends, none of you in here, of course, but like they're my friends on Facebook, and I want to grab them and be like, don't, you, you're, you, you have trusted your life with Jesus. It's all going to be okay. Even if you die, then, then the scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Like it's going to be okay. And so fear, like people are just freaking out. Did you know that? trying kind to of change the subject, you know most scholars, most Bible scholars, if, if they trace out the, the beginning of human sinfulness, human um, error, they begin with pride. Do you know that? Like in Genesis chapter 3, with Adam and Eve and how that story goes, and they basically said, God, we got this, we're going to do our own thing. Their arrogance rose up to make them think that they were smarter than God, and and. Most people would say it's pride is the center of all human fallenness, all human sinfulness. And yet the Bible's most repeated command doesn't have anything to do with pride. It doesn't have anything to do with humility. The Bible's most, the, the words that you find most often if you read through the Bible, it doesn't have anything to do about sexual uh, purity. doesn't have anything to do about financial integrity or financial giving. The single most common command in all of Scripture can be summarized in two words. Fear not. Fear not. God says this more than he says anything else. Every time God shows up on the scene, the first words out of his mouth, almost every time is, hey, hey don't be afraid. Fear not. Don't be, dis- don't, don't be dismayed. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. But let's be honest. Fear doesn't really seem like a big deal. If you and I were to go to coffee after church today, right? And we sit down. Maybe we're going to lunch. And we sit down, and I look at you, and I say, hey, let's talk about our two biggest, like, sin issues. Right? You go first. Um, not me. I'm not going first. You go first. You just spill, you spill all of your, your skeletons, and, and then I'll go after that. Um, no, but, but seriously, I doubt that fear would be on our list. I doubt seriously that fear would make that list, and yet God... Uh, tells us over and over again to fear not. And and, and I, I think I've got a couple ideas why. I think one reason is because fear is the most likely excuse that we make from doing what God has told us to do. Fear Fear is, fear is is the number one excuse that, and number one reason that if we use the kind of stories that we've talked about over the last few weeks, fear is the number one reason we stay in the cave. Fear is the number one reason we stay in the boat. Fear is the number one reason that we stay hidden in the room. Fear is the number one reason that, that we stay in the desert because we're afraid. And like I've said earlier, the goal of this series has just been over and over and over again. Trust God more. Not about fearing Less. And, and I want to read to you a, uh, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I know I say that every week. I really like the Bible. Um, it's one of my favorite passages. And I memorized this passage, not because I actually had like an index card and, and really worked hard at it. No, 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 my pastor growing up, his name was Mike Hartwell, just about every Sunday night at some point in the night, he was going to quote this passage from John chapter. 14, and and it would go something like this. This is going to be kind of, I'm not going to read it just on the screen just yet, because we're just going to look at the first verse, but but this is kind of how I memorized it, because he said it so often. I'm going to give you kind of the King James Version slash Southern West Virginia paraphrase, and it would go like this. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, "'Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, so that where I am, you may be also.'" I never read that. <laughs> I just heard him say it so many times that it just stuck in my head and memorizes. So let's actually look and see what it says. I was close, but we're looking at a different translation, so I just want to look at the first verse. Look, 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 <laughs> what, look what John says in, in John 14. These are the words of Jesus. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. When we look around our world, it seems like a lot of people are troubled, doesn't it? What's got you troubled this morning? What's got your heart troubled? And I'm just going to lay it out for you. Does ISIS have your heart troubled? (laughs) Do do refugees that you don't know have your heart troubled? Do do politicians and and presidential elections, and and does that have your heart troubled? And I'm not going to camp out here, but I've got to say this. The worst thing in the world has already happened. This is what we believe as Christian people, okay? This is just a side note. The worst thing that could possibly happen has already happened. God came and we killed him. That is the worst thing imaginable. The worst case scenario, we don't have to think up because it's already happened. The creator of the universe put on flesh and came to visit with his creation, and we killed him. And do you know how God responded to the terrorism that we inflicted upon his son? Resurrection. Resurrection, and you know what resurrection says? If the worst thing that is that that could possibly happen has already happened, if you have trusted in Jesus, you have nothing to be afraid of, because the worst thing that could happen has already happened. You see, the world has already ended. People are like forecasting and broadcasting, and this is the end of the world's going to come. It's going to be awful, and all that. No, no, no. The world already ended on a cross. On Calvary, when Jesus Christ breathed his last breath. And then God said, no, 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 that's not the end because there's a word coming after the word of death and it's resurrection. So the world has already ended. The world just hasn't caught up yet because we're living in the future. We're living in a whole new world, a whole new reality that God birthed in this old dead world and we're living in it and nothing makes us afraid because we don't belong to that world. We belong to the resurrection world. A.W. Tozer has this quote. He says that the reason many of us are so troubled is because we haven't yet come to the end of ourselves. Do you know what salvation is? (laughs) Salvation, Jesus, I trust you with my life. Scripture says when you do that, you die to yourself. The worst thing that could happen in your life, somebody taking your life, if you have given your life to Jesus, has already happened. Who can take your life from you when you have already entrusted it to the Savior? What can man do to you if you have already given everything and all of your heart and life to him? Nothing. So you have nothing to be afraid of. We live with the confidence that Jesus is God and he's coming back and and everything that we have is his and resurrection is our life and we don't have to worry or stress or fear about anybody else. Because the worst thing has already happened, and God defeated it. So let's jump back to John chapter 14. That was a total side note. I've been waiting like six days to say that. That's my soapbox. Anyway, I'm I'm off the soapbox. Let's just get back to John 14. Jesus says in John 14, instead of being full of fear, we need to trust in him. We need to entrust him with our lives. In other words, Jesus says the answer to being troubled is trust. As human beings, we have one primary responsibility in our lives, and that's to trust, to trust God. That's what salvation is. Our salvation is the idea that we trust Jesus with our lives, that we have have entrusted in what he has done for us and what he is doing in us and what he wants to do through us. And yet, the one responsibility that we have, which is to trust, is also the one thing we can't will ourselves to do. Like, how do you trust more? Right, like, like, how do you make yourself trust God? You you can't make yourself. I could preach as hard as I could, and and that's the preaching I grew up on. A lot of it was like, you gotta have more faith, and the reason uh, that you just don't see God uh, working in your life uh, is that you don't have enough faith. Uh, you gotta, have, you know what I'm saying? Like that's the preaching I grew up on. Oh, I can do it, man. I can get my my leg kicking, and but I won't do that. That's, how, that's, the, that's the message I grew up and Maybe that's the message you grew up on. The reason that you have trouble in your life is you don't have enough faith. You just got to get yourself some more faith. How do you do that? Like, I've been trying to get more faith, and I don't know how to get more faith. And that the answer is not really that you got to get more faith. We talked about this a little bit last week. The answer is that you got to feed the faith that you have, and the way you feed the faith that you have is you get to know God better. It's not about getting more faith. You see, God is faithful. And so if we get to know Him better, then we'll have more trust in Him. The more, the, the better you know Him, the more you trust Him. And so you just got to get to know Him better. That's, that's the problem that we have. That's what it means to feed our faith. That's what we talked about last week. And that's why we were, uh, we were posting all week on Facebook. Hey, here's some ways to feed your faith. Here's some things you can do to get to know God better. You need a Bible on your phone because your phone's with you all the time. You, you need an app that reminds you when to pray and what you're praying for. You, you need to bring your kids in and, and, and give them really cool animated stories of the Bible. And you need to listen to, to music that fills your, your your life with the presence of God. And and, and and if you don't know how to study the Bible, listen, it's not rocket science. We, we, we gave you a website. Uh, I think it's called soapstudy.com. It's just a real easy way to study the Bible. You read the scripture. What do you see? It, what jumps off the page? How can you apply it to your life? What do you pray? Super easy. It's a way to get to know him better. That's what it means to feed our faith. We could could talk all day about trying to find ways to to get more faith, or we could just step into the the, the focus of, of getting to know him better. And we have a tendency, really, just to be honest with you, as humans, to overcomplicate things, right? Like, we overcomplicate God so much that it's just ridiculous, you know? And so what I want to do this morning is I want to give you everything you've ever needed to know about God in 20 minutes or less. All right. You ready? Everything, as a matter of fact, I want to give you everything you've ever needed to know about God in one prayer that you probably learned as a kid. God is great. God is good. What's the rest of it? Our food. Now, if we could ignore the food part, and ignore the part where food and good don't really rhyme, which doesn't make any sense, unless you're like, you know, God is good, let's thank him for our food, or God is good, let's thank him for our food, but that doesn't work, right? Everything you need to know about God comes from that prayer. God is great, and God is good. There's nothing else you need to know about. Everything that you can discover about God is simply an extrapolation from one of those two things, either his greatness or his goodness. Everything. And I didn't come up with this idea. Matter of fact, the prayer isn't even all that original. If you look at Psalm chapter 62, verses 11 through 12, if you don't have a Bible, just check it out on the screen behind me. You can pull it up on your phone too. Here we go, Psalm chapter 62, verses 11 and 12. This is what the psalmist says. One thing God has spoken Two things I have heard, and here we go, here are two things. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. That's everything you need to know about God. Power belongs to you, and with you is unfailing love. Number one, God is great. The whole series, like we said, we've just been saying over and over again, you've got to trust God more, you've got to trust God more, you've got to trust God more. If you're going to trust God, then you've got to know that that, that God has the power to overpower the fear that you're facing. If you're going to trust God in the face of your fear, you better know that he's got the resources to back it up when you're facing that fear. You know what I mean? Because let's face it, like if we were in an alleyway and there were some kind of shady characters approaching us maybe with a couple of ball bats or something, and we got nervous and fear and fear started creeping up, which it makes sense that it would, right? Because we're kind of nervous about our safety and all that. Let me ask you a question. Would you go find, you know, some scrawny, 135-pound, ninth-grade boy to back you up? No. You know what I'm finding? I'm finding like heavyweight, MMA, UFC, pound and ground, punch you in the face and knock you out. That's who I'm going to turn to. Because I'm not going to try to find somebody who's weak when I need help. I'm not going to try to find somebody who, who doesn't have the resources and doesn't have the ability to take out whatever it is that's got me afraid. And so to trust God in the face of our fear is not to waste our breath. It's not to waste our time because the measure of God's ability will always exceed the measure of the fear that you face. God's got, in other words, God's got more power. God's stronger than whatever it is that you're staring at. God doesn't do nervous. Do you know that? Like God doesn't do scared. Never once has God been taken by surprise and thought, oh man, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. I don't think I'm going to get through this one. Because see, this is the God. Let me just, let me just remind us all of some stuff about God. This is the God who spoke and the universe came into being. And then he stepped back and he measured it with the palm of his hand, Isaiah says. How big is this God? This is the God who who took some ragtag Hebrew slaves in Egypt, marched them out of the country, split a sea for them to cross over, and then used the same sea to drown the army that was chasing them, right? Like, this is a pretty powerful God. This is a God, when those people approached this city called Jericho, and the walls were around it, they didn't lift up one weapon. They sang a song, and God empowered the song to bring down the walls. They didn't have a pitch, like a a pitch axe. They didn't have, you know, those grappling hooks. Nothing. They did it with a song that God empowered. Just think about the power of that God. A God who used a shepherd and some rocks to kill a giant that everybody else was afraid of. A God who risked everything and took on flesh and walked among us. And he opened blinded eyes. And he looked at dead people and he just said, get up. You don't don't need to be dead right now. You need to wake up. You need, to come out, you need to come out of your grave and come walk with us and talk and laugh and let's go get something to eat. This is the kind of God that we're talking about. And the thing is, he hasn't stopped doing those things. For 2,000 years, he's still, he's still healing people and saving people and providing for us 2,000 years later. And he's not showing any sign of letting up. Because his power is not limited and his power doesn't have an off switch and we don't have to worry about him paying his bill and we don't have to worry if he's going to get cut off because it's unlimited. Yes. Because he is great. A few years ago, my, my, my son, this is before Legos entered my house. Um, if you, did you see those little, I saw somebody post on Facebook, some, these, they've got these like Lego shoes and they've got extra pad on the bottom. I need a pair of those. Because listen, there is no pain like Lego on the footpath. <laughs> Middle of the night, you're just walking, and that—that that, how do they always end up pointy side up? I don't know. But my heel and the pointy side always connect, and it's like I'm Peyton Manning on the football field. I can't get off fast enough. You know, it hurts so bad. Anyway, several years before Legos really over overtook our our house, uh, my son was really into Thomas the Train. Anybody like Thomas the Train, right? Yeah. We have we had a lot of Thomas the Train stuff. I mean, every birthday, Christmas just excuse to buy more stuff. We had trains. We had we had more trains in our house than Norfolk Southern, okay? Like we had trains galore track, like you wouldn't believe. I mean, I could lay out from here probably to like California, Thomas the Train track, and and we would still have more. And it was just so much. And it was in this huge tote because we didn't leave it out all the time because that would be crazy. Um, it was in this huge tote, and one day I was working. I was doing something. I couldn't even tell you now what I was doing. And Lex, my oldest son, he's nine now at the time. He was probably like four. Um, he wanted to get his Thomas stuff out to play with it. And um, I'm like, no, i don't. leave me alone. I don't have time for that. And I was just kind of brushing him off, you know, like, just kind of go away. Um, and some of y'all are like, you're a terrible dad. <laughs> you do it too, okay? <laughs> you understand. It was just a moment where, like, I don't have time to get Thomas down. And he's like, please, I want my Thomas stuff. I don't have, no. And so he's real smart, right? He looks at me and he says, He says, Dada, because he calls me Dada. He says, are you strong enough to get the Thomas box down? (laughs) Done. Everything else stops. Because if all else fails, right, like just appeal to daddy's pride and his desire to show his son how strong he is. You know what I mean? And so, of course, he he got his Thomas the Train stuff down, and I learned a lesson. I learned that God, just like me, wants to show off His power. But it's not about God showing off His power because He's prideful. It's about God wanting to demonstrate His power for His glory and for my joy. Because God wants to show how strong He is. And He wants to demonstrate His power. And He wants to demonstrate the weight of His glory so that I can see the joy of trusting Him. So I want to ask you a question. Does your fear seem too big to you? When you look at it, does it look like that huge box that you can't pick up? Let me tell you something. It's just the right size for our God. He's not going to break a sweat when he deals with it. Does that, that thing have you absolutely freaking out? Let me tell you, he can handle that. He doesn't get scared by that. And why would you strain to do the heavy lifting when you've got a God like this in your life? You see, we live our lives. In proportion to the size of our God. And for many of us, the problem is that our God is way too small. We have this perspective of what God can do and what God can't do. The most important thing about our lives, the, the thing that will determine the direction and the course that our life takes, is this one thing. What do you think about when you think about God? How big is your God? Is your God small? If your God is small, then, then the truth is you, you, you'll shrink back when you should stand strong. And if your God is small, you'll, you'll, you'll worry when you should pray. You'll hoard all of your resources when you should be generous. And the truth is that, let that, that the, just just, the, just be real, right? We're not convinced that we're safe in God's care. That's that's what it really comes down to. We are not convinced that we are absolutely safe in the hands of an all-knowing, all-powerful God. So we move into our day thinking that it all depends on me. And that I'm the one holding all of this together. And if you're the one holding your life together, no wonder you struggle with fear. No wonder you struggle with anxiety. No wonder you struggle with worry. No wonder your heart is troubled because it's all on you. It's all on you. But when we know God for who He is, our fears are eclipsed by His unlimited strength. When we have a proper perspective of who God is, that God is great, that power belongs to you, then we can walk into our lives without fear holding us back because we know our God is great. Number two, God is good. Not only is He great, but He's good. And these two things are kind of like the two sides of a coin for us, right? Because, because everybody believes God is great. like That's the definition of God. Every religion in, in the world believes that, that God is great and all-powerful and strong, right? Just about everybody believes that. But what sets us apart is not just that God is great, but that, 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 that we have this unrelenting hope that he is good. That he is not distant, that he is not angry, that he is not not some kind of uh, judge that's going to inflict his wrath upon us. No, no, no. Our our core belief is not only is he great, but he's also good. It's what, the second part of Psalm uh, 62 that we just read, uh, let's look at that again. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard, power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. You believe that not only is God powerful but he also has unfailing love love that doesn't stop love that doesn't quit love that doesn't know a limit love that doesn't the love that doesn't give up on you on your worst day love that looks at you in in the worst situation in the worst uh, position of your life and still reaches out to you love that does not fail You see, knowing God is great allows us to face our fears because we know God is able to respond. But when we know God is good, we can face our fears because we know that He wants to respond. Because He's good. He's good. And the reason this is so important is to know that God is great and that God is good is because sometimes life and and the daily fears that, that, that come into our lives can push what we believe about God kind of under the surface. And we don't live from, from the place of, of what we believe is true about God. Instead, fear colors the lens of God's activity in our lives, and we lose sight of the truth that he is good, and we start believing that that's just a lie. And this, if this happened to me, then God must not be good. Listen, God's, God's goodness means that all of God's greatness wants to work in your life for your good, not necessarily your momentary happiness. Because God sees the big picture. God sees from the beginning to the end. And he sees in a way that we do not see. And so when he looks at our lives and we're praying and we're asking him to do this thing. And he's like, no, 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 not yet. Because I see from the beginning to the end. And it's not time for that yet. And we get mad and we start to to believe the lie of fear that God must not be good. Because he's not giving me what I want. The reality is if we got everything that we wanted, we would be miserable because he sees the path that we're on from point A to point B and his goal is to get us to point B and so he knows the best path. He's good. Is God loving? Is he good? Yes. Does he have a plan for his kids? Absolutely. Am I one of them? If I have trusted in Jesus, yes. Are you one of them? Have you trusted in him? Have you given your life to him? Even if you haven't given your life to him, he still has a plan for your life, and it includes giving it back to him. So does God have a plan for your life? Yes. And if that's true, I don't have to be fearful of anything because I know God is great and God is good. And if you know those two things, you can face any fear that comes into your life. If you put those two things in the core of of, of your life, then you can face anything. Because you know, he's great. You know, he's good. We're going to go into another song. Well, not another song. We're just going to repeat the song, actually. Um, Because I just want to encourage you this morning. To get to know God Better. You remember when GPS came out? Like, I've got GPS on my phone. I've got Google Maps. Anybody use Google Maps? I use it all the time. Like, I could not go anywhere without my Google Maps, okay? I'm I'm really good with directions. I'm really good knowing where I need to go. But I would have no clue now how to get anywhere without my Google Maps app. When when GPS first came out, though, it was kind of frustrating. Because, obviously, like, you would end up in some place like this is not map is wrong, I didn't get where I needed to go, you know what I mean? But also, if you look at it, let's let's show the first image of what Google Maps looks like. Um, It shows you like your next step, right? Like this is from my house trying to get to the theater, and and I've got to turn right. And then I know that I've got a left turn, but after that, I don't know where I'm going. And that's really frustrating. Because we want to know, well, what's the next turn? And what's the turn after that? And what's the next, like, if I turn left, how long until I've got to turn again? Is it, is it 50 feet? Is it 100 yards? Is it 5 miles? What am I going to do next? Because we want to know, you know, all of the steps between here and there before we get started. Did you know there's this hidden feature? It's not really hidden. They don't hide it intentionally. But if you just tap the bottom of the map, then you get to see this image. Because they know this is true about us. We want to see all the steps listed out. And this is awesome. This makes me feel so good. I feel so warm when I tap the bottom. I'm like, okay, I see all the steps now that I've got to do. Or I zoom out of the the map and I see the, the little blue line taking me where I need to go. I love that. I know you're wondering, what in the world does this have to do with anything we're talking about? Most of us want to know the last step before we take the first step. Most of us want to see the list of steps that God has planned for us. And we spend so much time trying to see the end that we never take the first step of trust. We'll take that first step. We're so focused on how is this going to turn out? Am I going to get to where I need to go? That we never take that first step of trust. The initial step of trust. Or we get halfway down and we get stuck. And we're paralyzed. We can't can't move forward. Because fear just got stuck. So we freeze. Check this out. This the last passage of Scripture, and then we're going to go into some, some prayer. And I want, I want to pray for you. Those of you who are battling fear right now, I want to physically join and connect with you in prayer. So I'm going to invite you to meet me right over here in this spot, okay, in just a couple minutes. If you want, if you want somebody to join with you and pray with you about the fear or the worry or the anxiety or the fact that your heart is troubled, I want to, to connect with you and pray with you I believe there's power in prayer when two people come together in the presence of God. God is with us. Check out what God says through Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 13. He says this. He says, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your hand, takes hold of your right hand, and says to you, and look what, man, I believe with all my heart God wants to say this to some of you this morning. Do not Fear I will help you Some of us just need to receive those words right from the mouth and the voice of God Do not fear I will help you Do you feel stuck in fear this morning Do you feel do, do you feel troubled about the next step that he's telling you to take really cool thing about God. You don't take that step alone. He says, you don't have to be afraid because I'm great and I'm good. Do not be afraid because I will help you. I'll take you by the hand and lead you through your step till we get to the end. You don't have to do it alone. You don't have to take the step alone. I'll help you. We'll get there together. For too long, man, trust and fear have been battling it out in your heart. And today is the day that trust wins and fear loses. Because you're going to take his hand. And you're going to trust him. The next step in your life. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, we come before you, all of us together, God, facing us whole host of fears and uncertainty and some of our hearts, God, are deeply troubled at the state of our world, the state maybe of our nation, of our state, of our career, of our finances, of our family, of our marriage, of our relationship with our kids. Maybe it's one of our kids that we're troubled for. Maybe we're troubled about our health. Maybe we're troubled, God, about our education. Maybe we're troubled about our school. Maybe we're troubled, God, about what we're going to do tomorrow. And are we going to get laid off? And is the cut going to come? Is my salary going to be uh, going to be wiped off? Our hearts are troubled. Fears trying to win the day. But we know we don't have to be afraid. You'll help us. You'll take us by the hand. Even if we can't see all the steps, we don't have to. Because you do. We can trust in you. While they sing this song, would everybody in the auditorium just stand? Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story.